0: The co-founder of PayPal and first investor in Facebook, entrepreneur Peter Thiel.
1: If you don't follow Silicon Valley closely, this might have been your first introduction to Peter Thiel.
0: I build companies and I support people who are building new things, from social networks to rocket ships.
1: He charged onto the stage of the 2016 Republican National Convention in Cleveland under a giant graphic reading, Make America One Again. Delegates on the floor went nuts.
0: I'm not a politician, but neither is Donald Trump. He is a builder, and it's time to rebuild America.
1: One of the people watching that night was Max Chafkin, a reporter and editor at Bloomberg Business Week.
0: It's just very weird to see somebody who has been operating in a world that has seemed small and not Significant on some kind of big historical level, like suddenly step onto the the world stage, as it were.
1: Max has been covering tech for more than 15 years, and he's watched Teal play on bigger and bigger stages as a founder of PayPal, a venture capitalist who could make or break companies, and a guy who seems to enjoy playing the villain. Last year, Max published a book about Teal called The Contrarian. And it's true, Teal is hard to pigeonhole.
0: I am proud to be gay. I am proud to be a Republican. But most of all, I am proud to be an American.
1: Teal has been a stalwart Republican donor for years, giving more than a million dollars to get President Trump elected.
0: But now he wants something more. He wants to be the patron to the Trumpist wing of the Republican Party.
1: Teal is turning away from Silicon Valley. Just recently, he resigned his seat from the Facebook or Meta board, and he's put at least $20 million behind two Trumpist Senate candidates. Max says Teal wants to be like the Koch brothers for a new generation.
0: Teal's trying to do that now with this new um, part of the Republican Party, the part that is, you know, hyper-nationalistic, anti-immigrant, populist. He wants to be the guy who is the kingmaker.
1: Today on the show, Peter Thiel's grand ambitions. Silicon Valley has his fingerprints all over it. Now he wants to leave his mark on American democracy. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TVD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us. Your smartphone would look very different without Peter Thiel. He co-founded PayPal. He invested in Lyft, Airbnb, and Facebook, serving as a kind of Yoda to Mark Zuckerberg during the company's early years. But what I didn't know until I read Max's book were the contours of his early life and how deeply they shaped Thiel and his worldview. Thiel was born in Germany, and his family moved around because his dad, a chemical engineer, worked for various mining companies.
0: So he was... Very young, you know, when his family moved first to South Africa and then to what was then known as Southwest Africa, now now called Namibia, but it was basically like a South African protectorate, also an apartheid state. And his father worked in in mining. So you know, the family, not not Peter Thiel, because Peter Thiel was like six, was, of course, very much bought in to this system. And I think this is pretty important because when Thiel got to college, there's a lot of anti-apartheid activism, you know. Right, a-
1: he comes of age in the sort of divestment
0: era. Exactly. I mean, that I think is is part of the way that he develops this kind of identity as as somebody who's extremely conservative, who who saw he I think he saw the divestment stuff as a personal attack um, on him, e- even though of course it wasn't.
1: Teal spent his adolescence in Foster City, California, not far from Silicon Valley. He was quiet. He liked to play Dungeons and Dragons and he was strikingly smart. After high school, Teal went to Stanford.
0: Well, Stanford is a relatively conservative place as far as like elite colleges go, right? It's it's much more tied in with the corporate world than Ivy League schools. It also was one of the home bases of like Reaganism. But of course, there was a lot of left wing activism and and Teal ended up constructing an identity that was opposed to all that. And that all gets poured into this newspaper called the Stanford Review, which was like a rabble rousing right wing paper that did. I think now we have a term for it. uh, We call it like trolling, but like basically attempting to stir up controversy by pushing right up to the line on race or or gender or sexual orientation or whatever, and then getting yelled at for being racist or almost racist, and then using that as a way to kind of generate additional interest. His contemporaries in this are basically Ann Coulter, who is at the Cornell Review, which is a similar paper, and and who he's close to Ann Ann Coulter to this day, and also Dinesh D'Souza, who had the Dartmouth Review, which is a very similar thing. So this was like a current in Republican politics that Peter Thiel very much tapped into, and I think used it in creating his tech thing. But it wasn't just Teal's
1: combative politics at Blossomton College. His in-your-face persona did, too.
0: I heard a story from some people who were connected to the chess team. Teal started the chess team, and and they were uh, driving out to a chess tournament in Monterey, California, And first of all, Teal's a very fast driver Um, and he's he's like gunning it down this insanely narrow, windy mountain road. And he gets pulled over by a police officer. Police officer comes over, has him uh, roll down the window, says, do you know how fast you're going? And Teal proceeds to give this argument that speeding tickets are unconstitutional. And in fact, it doesn't matter how fast he's going. He was incredibly combative but also that that has its own appeal, right? People with that much confidence can be off-putting, but it can also um, be very, very attractive.
1: After college and then law school, also at Stanford, of course, Teal tried a few careers, but none really stuck. He was a lawyer, a Wall Street trader, and a speechwriter for conservative politician Bill Bennett.
0: I mean, I think initially wanted to be like a William F. Buckley or something. He, he thought of, I mean, he thought he had been this like, you know, intellectual heavyweight um, in college, or at least that's how he saw himself. And so Teal tried to make it in, in, in the legal world, but, but really, you know, uh, struck out pretty quickly or, or decided, you know, he was done with it. And then he latched on to, this thing that was happening, you know, basically in his backyard, which is the the tech bubble, um, and with no obvious credentials, uh, not really knowing anyone, um, he basically inserted himself into Silicon Valley and and uh, kind of against all odds became this uh, hugely successful entrepreneur and then you know well known investor. Teal struck gold with PayPal, which he co founded
1: in 1998. The idea of cashless payments between people might seem normal now. But then, it was revolutionary. It also fit ideologically as an almost alternate financial system, like a precursor to Bitcoin. Teal's next success came with Palantir, the data analysis company that he co-founded in the wake of 9-11. And yes, the name comes from the all-powerful seeing stone in The Lord of the Rings. Palantir software has been used by multiple government and law enforcement agencies— It's work with immigration and customs enforcement in particular has been criticized by civil liberties advocates for targeting undocumented immigrants. When you take these companies together, Max says, you don't just see a founder identifying holes in the market. You see someone whose companies fit with his political worldview.
0: That's the thing that makes Teal kind of different from many of his contemporaries many of whom a big part of their identity is being like uh, beyond ideology but teal i think it very much explicitly sees ideology and politics as linked to business and you know i, I the the coke analogy i think is helpful right the coke brothers had this gigantic industrial conglomerate and then they had this political project and the industrial conglomerate was generating is generating revenue, which is pouring into the political project, which is helping to shape policy, hopefully to allow the industrial conglomerate to make more money. And Teal's kind of the same situation, except it's like a post-industrial conglomerate. And it's just a bunch of his investments in Facebook and Palantir and Airbnb and so on. And he's been trying to craft policy to basically allow those companies to operate more or less unfettered. Um, And it's it's worked uh, in a lot of ways.
1: He also plays a very big role in shaping Facebook and really Mark Zuckerberg. And I wonder if you could lay out for me how influential Teal is in the way Silicon Valley thinks.
0: Zuckerberg has complete control of Facebook today. He has these super voting shares and um, no one can tell him what to do, not even Peter Thiel. He got that situation um, because of Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel, prior to investing in Facebook, had kind of developed this idea that founders should be you know, all powerful in their companies and helps Zuckerberg rejigger the Facebook cap table to give him that control um, and then uses that fact to kind of c- convince basically every other uh, venture capitalist in Silicon Valley to do the same thing. So now you look across the valley and there are all these companies run by basically all powerful- Dudes. Dudes, yeah, for sure. Um, PayPal early on was an unregulated bank, more or less. A a a bank that just didn't bother getting regulated and just said, screw it, we're just going to start moving money around instead of trying to like- figure out how to do what they wanted to do legally focus mostly on marketing and that became i would argue the model for a lot of these companies right where you don't you don't actually bother with you know trying to follow the rules what you try to do is just grow really quickly so that you're it's a fait accompli that people just have to just sort of accept what you've done move fast and break things exactly and that has been copied by like every single Tech company, whether or not Peter Thiel is involved or not, for a long time, even people who were very critical of the tech industry basically accepted this idea that disruption was like a societal good, and Thiel was really important in pushing that narrative and getting everybody else to believe it. But I think it's it's left us in a situation today in 2022 where you have these gigantic companies worth hundreds of billions or even trillions of dollars who are still operating as if they were reading Peter Thiel's, like, playbook or something. There's one other playbook
1: in Peter Thiel's life that is worth a close read.
2: Here's something to gawk at. Gawker.com will cease publishing next week, marking the end of an era as the parent company...
1: Thiel secretly funded the 2013 lawsuit brought by wrestler Hulk Hogan that destroyed the website Gawker. Gawker had published Hogan's sex tape, and Thiel quietly agreed to fund Hogan's suit eventually spending $10 million. Full disclosure here, I am friendly with people who lost their jobs because of the lawsuit and Gawker's subsequent bankruptcy. To understand why it all happened, you have to go back to 2007 to a post on a Gawker blog that outed Teal as gay. The headline read, Peter Teal is totally gay, people. Even though Teal was out to friends and family, Max says he viewed the blog as a tremendous invasion of privacy.
0: Gawker was covering Peter Thiel very, very aggressively at this time. And it's important to say Peter Thiel went through a huge, not just this personal ter- turmoil of, of being outed by a blog, but also had a sort of business turmoil where he went from being like the most successful hedge fund manager on Wall Street uh, in early 2008 to just being basic, like for his hedge fund basically collapsed. He had to turn it into a family office. And Gawker was all over that. By his own telling,
1: Teal started to look for a way to put Gawker out of business to find a case against the site that he could bankroll. Here he is explaining his thinking in 2016.
0: My initial view was that uh, what you were supposed to do was you were supposed to take your beatings, um, crouch down, go into a fetal position, and then hope they moved on to somebody else. And, uh, and sort of around 20, 2011, one of my friends convinced me that, uh, that if, uh, if Gawker could get away with this sort of sociopathic repeat behavior over and over, it was this tragedy of the commons. They would, they would continue to ruin lives one after another.
1: Maybe you listen to this and have no sympathy for Gawker, but there's no denying that Teal's suit And the threat of other suits like it reverberated throughout American newsrooms. He became a kind of boogeyman to journalists. But to certain donors and some people in the tech world, it made him
0: heroic beating up on media outlets is a you know does really well and when he showed up in 2016 at the RNC that was his main credential when people were talking about it, especially conservatives were talking about it right he's the guy who beat gawker and 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 that i think became a calling card uh, for him and and has become a calling card both as a way to make sure that people don't criticize him and and they do what he want i mean it really as somebody who wrote a book on this and you know has you know, been in a lot of these conversations, it really hangs over anybody who has any kind of uh, negative feelings about Peter Thiel, or or is tempted to say something about what some, what something that happened at one of his companies, or or just do anything that might potentially down the road piss him off, because he has a a, a track record of moving very, very uh, aggressively towards any kind of critic. So it served that purpose. And then it also serves a purpose of kind of turning him into this right-wing folk hero. When we come back,
1: forget Facebook. Teal is betting on J.D. Vance now. He's left the Facebook or Meta board. Um, you wrote a story with the headline that he is, quote, taking his talents to Mar-a-Lago, which made me laugh. Very nice LeBron reference. Um, what's he going to be doing with his time now?
0: Well, I think what he's trying to do is uh, to be this patron to what he sees as, as, I think, the ascendant part of the Republican Party. And, and so that means trying to find candidates who are basically have similar politics to Trump. So super nationalistic, populist, anti-immigration, and, you know, hardline, you know, uh, you know, cultural reactionaries and give them money and hopefully, you know, get them into um, into positions of power. And I think the hope is sort of twofold. I think it's one is that he kind of agrees with those ideas. But the other, of course, is Many of Teal's businesses uh, bump up against the government in lots of different ways, and he has been, over the course of his career, incredibly effective at both carving out regulatory space for these kind of unregulated or gray area companies um, to, to operate, or just, you know, getting money from the government in the case of Palantir. So he has a lot to gain um, economically from having a great uh, a great amount of political power.
1: Two of the candidates that he has backed, J.D. Vance in Ohio, Blake Masters in Arizona, both Trumpists, um, both have claimed that the 2020 election results were fraudulent, but neither of them is polling all that well. Like, what what if Teal fails at this? You noted that he's a better tech investor than a political one. What if he makes a bad bet?
0: Yeah, I think I've been watching the his departure from the board of Facebook Meta and this kind of turn into politics really in a really uh, close way it's very interesting because in a lot of ways it's like the culmination of his career. On the other hand, you know, giving up a board seat on one of the world's biggest and most valuable companies to back a couple of candidates who are polling around five to ten percent, and also to get a board seat on uh, the dating company founded by Trump's former briefcase carrier, which is this—it's uh, called the Right Stuff. It's actually right. a, an investment Teal, uh, or Teal recently made um, in, a, in an online right-wing dating site. I mean, it's quite a come down from being the right hand of Mark Zuckerberg. Now, on the other hand, even if Teal doesn't win, just standing these candidates up and making them legitimate will kind of create a force of gravity on around him. And it, it, it already is right. You know, anyone who wants to um, raise money from Peter Thiel kind of knows that there are certain positions you have to take.
1: I feel like often Silicon Valley is looked at as a libertarian place or a place with sort of a grab bag of ideologies. But when I read your work and look at the totality of Thiel's life, and his companies it feels like it would be a mistake reading him as a libertarian
0: yeah I don't think he's a libertarian at least not in the way that like I think normal people use the word I, he's something closer to an authoritarian he's said you know that he thinks democracy and, and freedom are incompatible and when you look at kind of um, you know a lot of his writing um, and a lot of things he's done I mean the, the view is more is not Um, like liberty for all. It's liberty for tech billionaires. And it's this idea that the world would be a better place if we just sort of let these geniuses who are building the future uh, just have absolute control, both over their companies and probably over the world. And these pseudo-authoritarian or outright authoritarian ideas are more common in Silicon Valley than you'd imagine. Even on the left, there is this kind of like the, the sort of solutionist, like, let's just let Silicon Valley fix this. You, you hear that from Democrats as well. And I think um, I think that is very much a thing that Teal has been responsible for. And I think there's a lot of potential danger there, too.
1: Max Chafkin, thank you so much. Thanks. Max Chafkin writes for Bloomberg, and he's the author of The Contrarian, Peter Thiel and Silicon Valley's Pursuit of Power. That is it for the show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks. We're edited by Jonathan Fisher and Tori Bosch. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. And it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. I want to recommend that you go back and listen to Tuesday's episode of What Next. It's a conversation with a mom who lost her son at Sandy Hook about the long road to a settlement with Remington, which made the gun that killed him. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. We will be back next week with another episode. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, thanks for listening.